Hello and welcome to another episode of Side Control Synopsis. We are back. Well, I am back. Nathan is in here. And we're here to discuss UFC 260, the biggest, baddest rematch between Stipe Miocic against Francis Ngannou. It was held at the Apex Center. I think this is the final one for a bit because the next one will be in front of a crowd. So that's exciting. Nevertheless, this card for sure delivered start to finish. It had entertaining moments. It had technically brilliant moments. And yeah, I think we should just get into it with the show opener, which was Jamie Mularkey versus Kamavadi. Kamavadi was coming into this fight with six knockout losses. And that's not to say that any precedent was being set, but I think it was telling. Maybe, again, it's maybe hindsight, but you did wonder how he would hold up against a young upstart who still hadn't won a fight in the UFC, in Jamie Mularkey. Well, the fight started and you and it was quite apparent quickly that Jamie Mularkey was just quicker. He was so smooth with his with his movement and I, again, he was finding the spaces and well, the fight didn't last quite long because uh, just 40 40 seconds in there was that left hook which dropped Kamaworthy, and soon enough, that was a finish. 46 seconds in, Jamie Mularkey picks up his first win in the UFC, and how? It was brilliant. Brilliant performance from Jamie Mularkey. Kamaworthy finds himself in a particular spot. I mean, just a few fights ago, he had one of the biggest upsets uh, in UFC history against uh, Devontae Smith. So, this is not to write him off at all, but he does stand at a bit of a crossroads. And it'll be interesting to see what he does. But what a performance from Jamie Mularkey. Not much to say here. I think it was just clean and he looked looked great. Going into the next fight, it was Miranda Maverick against Gillian Robertson. Um, I think... I think Miranda Maverick was brilliant. She was able to keep her control on the ground. She, I mean, in the first round and on her feet. I think the first round was clearly going her way. The second, we could see she was a bit, she was a bit rocky, where you could see Gillian Robertson take control. She had her, uh, she had her down for the most of, uh, not for the most of it, but I think for the majority of the second round, Gillian Robertson was in control, and. Even in even in the bit of the third round, you could see Robertson still kind of riding on the momentum of the previous round. But then you saw Maverick really get into it. She took control. She never let her opponent up. She kept putting pressure on her. She tried to go for a few submission attempts, but again, she had she had control. And that's what mattered. And in the eyes of the judges, it was two of them. It was 30-27, which I would disagree with. I think it was a 29-28. But again, brilliant performance from Miranda Maverick. 
she did say in the post-fight press conference that she would like to face the sister of one Valentina Shevchenko, which will be a great fight because if you want to make it to the top, that, that I mean, that's a great fight. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how she does. She did say she wants to make it to the top 10 this year, which, which is totally reasonable considering the performances she has put up so far. This was the second fight in the UFC and a brilliant showing from Miranda Maverick. Now we get into the three fights which, which have a lot more to talk about in terms of stories going into it. You look at Sean O'Malley, who had impressed so far in his career, but the fight before, he suffered a loss because of an injury that he suffered in the fight. Uh, he just did not want to take ownership of that loss, which is interesting, but he did lose that fight. And I mean, I mean, even when Bruce Buffer was reading out, uh, was announcing his name, he and his record, he did put up the zero, saying he does not believe he lost. And that's fair. I think if that's a mentality that helps him grow, fair enough, makes sense. Um, regardless, he was going up against Thomas Almeida, who who takes a lot of hits. He he does, but normally you would see him fight back a lot, and you would see him put pressure on his opponents. Uh, but in this fight, it was all Sean O'Malley. He was playful. He was dancing around his opponent. He had those, fa- that's the thing, the feints he puts up, the movements, they elicit such a reaction from his opponents that there is almost the sense of he doesn't really need to act on all of them. He's just setting up these movements so he knows when to hit and he does hit. In the first round, he got him with a kick and, you know, it was basically a walk-off. He was walking off and... Well, the referees just said no. It wasn't, it wasn't a B. He had to go back and the fight continued. Which was a bit of an awkward moment. Because I think you could say in the favor of Sean O'Malley that maybe that was deserving of a walkout. But maybe not. Because Almeida was still there. And, and Sean O'Malley was maybe a bit too overconfident. Maybe he just wanted to walk off. And at that moment, you could feel like if this fight goes in the favor of Thomas Almeida, that would have been the moment that he would have regretted. Well, not to be, because it was just O'Malley taking over from there. He dominated the entire fight. I mean, any ankle issues that you could talk about, maybe they were a bit visible in the fight. But again... He was totally fine. He was in control. And in the third, he dropped him again. And he was going for another walk-off. But the referee was like, no. The referee basically wanted to see something bad. Uh, And just he waited. And that was such a brutal punch from Sean O'Malley to Almeida on the ground. And that was it. That was the end of the fight. Credit to Thomas Almeida for taking so much damage after he was basically out in the first round. A great resilient showing from him. But you have to talk about Sean O'Malley and how brilliant he was. 
because coming off that injury again there were questions about how he would deal some some people were saying that that's his weakness maybe it isn't i don't think we're completely clear that he's totally fine and that isn't something that the opponents could target but regardless doesn't matter he was brilliant and a great performance from Sugar Sean O'Malley. And he just keeps growing. His stock keeps rising. And it'll be interesting to see what he does. Uh, Chael Sonnen on uh, the show after the fight mentioned that Dominic Cruz texted him saying that he wanted to fight O'Malley. And then again, the conversation got going all until uh, Dominic Cruz himself in an interview with Ariel Hawani said... Well, I never said that. There was no text message sent, which is Chelsea and just at his peak. This is what he does. He gets a conversation going, and yeah, you just take it for what it is. It's it's just fun. But yeah, great performance from Sean O'Malley. Uh, it was almost playful. It was like every movement was eliciting a reaction from Almeida, and and that's how he works. So great performance from him. Going into the next fight was Vicente Luque versus Tyron Woodley this is such a hard fight to talk about like for me the fight I immediately think about when I think about uh, Tyron Woodley is the fight against Wonderboy Thompson because that was such a great fight the first one that is but you just have to give credit to his career based on what he's achieved. Regardless of how this fight went, he deserves credit. Yeah, there's so many great moments when you think about the career of Tyron Woodley, what he's able to achieve once against Calvin Gastelum, the knockout of Robbie Lawler, the the two fights against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Damian Maya, Darren Till. He has had a career that deserves so much praise. But then, just after the fight against Dan Till, he faced up Kamar Usman, who dominated. And then Gilbert Burns dominated. Kobe Covington dominated. Again, these fighters are elite. These are the best fighters in the welterweight division. There is no one better than these guys. These are the top guys. And losing to them is not too much of a blemish on your legacy. But it did talk a lot about how his approach to fighting was not really working. He was a man of technique and his athletic ability did support him a lot. And then you could see that it wasn't really working because his opponents had more tenacity about them. They controlled the fights better. And it went completely against Iron Woodley. And you could see that maybe maybe it was kind of drawing to a close. And again, Vicente Luque, Vicente Luque, my bad, isn't an easy fight by any stretch of the means. This was just as hard of a fight. But you could tell that there was a lot more going into this fight because this was the final fight on his contract. He had to come out just and he had to just come out and swing for the fences and that's exactly what he did 
and it was so almost heartwarming <laughs> it's such a weird thing to say but it was to see him actually go for it because this was it he had to deliver in this moment and he hit him with that with that right and it and it really staggered vicente and then just he got hit himself and then he was just you know he he was wonky on his feet they tried to clinch and vicente luque was just dominated on all aspects in the clinch and ultimately just got him, like he hit him got him down he stumbled to the other side he was in dire straits by this point and yeah luque just took him down and found the bravo choke and that was it a first round finish for vicente luque who again kind of has this thing where he has lost to the elite guys as well like leon edwards and maybe this was a this was a huge fight in terms of where he stands in the rankings because you need a performance like this against a former champion to establish yourself as one of the contenders and in this division where you're seeing people rise to the occasion you need to do that yourself to and that's exactly what he did for tyron this was again a great performance in terms of what he was able to achieve for vicente but tyron did come out and try something new try something different and it just didn't work and i think we're kind of reaching the point where you have to just think about where where was the future for your career and if this was the final fight for him in the ufc what a career and just an incredible legacy that he has left behind regardless of the the like the final few results because he lost to the elite and that's fine he i think he's 38 which is insane if you think about it and yeah credit to Tyron Woodley and props to Vicente Luque for an incredible performance now we come into the main event going into this fight of course you had two opponents who had such differing paths since the last time they faced each other Stipe after dominating Francis and you know what we need to go before that actually because prior to that Francis was knocking people out cold and it was scary to watch this man basically use his power and dominate it was scary i think that's the word and going into that fight you could see him just overcommit he was going for the heavy strikes in the first round he did catch Stipe but just wasn't enough and yeah it just felt like Stipe had the better game plan and he held on in, like in the last three rounds Stipe had Stipe just dominated Francis had nothing left he was exhausted and that was it a big loss for him and the next fight you could see the mental anguish kind of you know transfer over there in the fight against Der- Derek Lewis which was another painful loss because it was again so slow 
and he could not get anything going and yeah after that you could just see this man blossom i think i don't know what happened for him mentally but he just switched and he kind of embraced what he was just so good at and just after that setback he had the fight against uh Cain Velasquez no he had the fight against Curtis Blades again it was a first minute knockout then Cain Velasquez just a few seconds and it was just incredible to see this man just flourish and again Junior Dos Santos Jarzinho Rosenstrike which was which is just brutal again and the question that started to develop was has he developed any wrestling ability and that was it that was going to be the deciding factor because if anyone would have told you that Francis was going to win this fight it was going to be through knockout and there was no, he wasn't going to win through taking the fight five rounds and getting the decision no he was going to knock stepe out but stepe on his own journey had had a grueling trilogy against daniel cormier and let's not take away from that because it takes away a lot from a fighter going going through grueling fight one by one and again in the final fight you could see that as dominant as stepe was you couldn't help but feel like that must have taken a toll on stepe and his conditioning maybe it then but maybe it wouldn't have had much of an effect rather going into this fight or the outcome but what happened in the first round was Francis Ngannou was patient he was so collected and he took his moments when they came he wasn't rushed at all he did not unload too quickly and that's exactly what he needed to do stepe tried but i think in the first round he just got off eight strikes which for stepe is unheard of and he went for the takedown and that was the moment where he went for the takedown and enganu not only sprawled and stuffed it he was able to engage uh, in an offense immediately after credit to stepe for surviving that onslaught but he, but you could tell that that was the moment where stepe realized takedowns are not going to be as easy as they were and for stepe the plan would have been going into those later rounds to just tire his opponent out because that was the only way it was going to work but i don't think it was as easy as it was in the first fight it clearly wasn't because enganu was calm collected getting leg kicks getting the head kicks and which was like wow and he just had such a calm collected performance and after the first round you were all worrying about stepe he seemed calm he seemed totally fine with how the round went and he had faith in how his 
plan would unfold, which is fair. But not long into that round, it was uh, it was like he was in an orthodox stance, steep Engano uh, uh, that is, and he hit him with an up jab, which Eric, Eric Nitzik, his coach, revealed was just a setup punch. It was meant to lead up to a powerful right. Unnecessary because Stipe dropped hard. Stipe was basically out. Uh, Engano went for the flurry, but Stipe was able to get up and he hit him because Engano overcommitted there. Engano was the one who was really going into it and he got caught. Stipe realized that he's in dire straits himself, so he charged forward without uh, that sense of calmness that we associate with Stipe. And he got caught with the check hook. It was, it was so short. And that was it. It was lights out, new heavyweight champion in Francis Ngannou. Again, this fight was... Dominant is an understatement. There was not a single moment that you would think that Stipe had it. He just didn't. It was Ngannou throughout and brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant seeing the composure, the switching of strikes, the level changes. Maybe not in terms of takedowns, but he showed a new level to his game. He learned a new aspect which was so nece- which was so necessary for stipe a, a tough loss for him but considering what he had been through before uh, with the trilogy against cormier you could tell that that takes a lot out of a person and yeah it was going to lead to this eventually You don't have happy endings or very rarely have happy endings in the UFC. In the fight game, if you're the king, it's hard to maintain your place on the throne. And that's what we saw on that night. Uh, A new king is here, which is Nganu. And immediately the tweets were fired from one John Jones saying, show me the money. And that has been an entire roller coaster since then because, well, Dana White in the post-fight press conference basically alluded to, well, the fight will happen if John Jones wants it. He basically said that John Jones really doesn't want it, that he should go back to 185, which is a weird take. I get where he's coming from, but I don't think that's the way you should talk about a potential fight that could, on paper, be the biggest fight the UFC's ever seen. It's John Jones, who has run through his opponents, the most illustrious career, going up against a guy who could knock out any being on this planet. A blue whale. He could knock out a blue whale, I think. Uh, Seriously, though, it really talks a lot about how this how this rivalry is seen because Nganu is now on top John Jones really hasn't been on top for a while he 
in his last few fights in light heavyweight division really did not look like the dominant phenomenon he had been for so many years. The fight against Dominic Reyes, you could give that fight to Dominic Reyes. You, you really could. And I don't think he draws as much as he thinks, considering other things as well. But that's, I don't think that's something we need to get into. Regardless, this fight is going to be huge for sure if it happens. But for me, personally, I would want to see a trilogy between him and Stipe. I don't know how willing Stipe is for that right now. I, I, again, he's expecting a child. So he's off with that for a while, which is, which is fair. Because I don't think Ngannou need, really needs to get into a big fight right now. If he wants to, then you have uh, Derek Lewis, which is fine. I, th- I think the next fight, if Ngannou really wants to get into it soon, should be Derek Lewis. You then have the trilogy. And eventually you set up the, the fight between him and John Jones. I don't think it's as urgent as it seems. I get the argument some people are putting up that this is a super fight and we have had so many super fights slip in our timeline and I get that. But I think you have to take into account other logistics and maybe we do see Derek Lewis as the next opponent to take on the Predator who is Francis Ngannou. Overall, an incredible show to watch. It was entertaining start to finish. You had Jamie Mularkey, swift as ever, finding his range. And yeah, getting the win over Kamavuadi. Miranda Maverick was smart with the performance. Robertson tried to get something going, but it was a dominant performance from Miranda. Uh, again, in the O'Malley fight, playful, dominant. He used his range Perfectly well. He avoided the strikes. Great. Credit to Almeida. He took a lot of damage. But credit has to go to Sugar Show O'Malley. The Sugar Show continues. Uh, a slobber knocker fight between Vicente Luque and Tyron Woodley. Uh, if this is it for Tyron, what a career. Incredible. In the main event, the main thing is Francis has now learned patience and he's, un- he's unlocked this new ability to his game, which makes him such a scary fighter. Scarier than he was, which I didn't think was possible. But it's incredible what he's been able to achieve. It's now three African champions in the UFC, him, Kamaru Usman, and Israel Adesanya. We need- they should put an event in Africa. It's incredible that these three men are... Again, they're so dominant in their divisions that, yeah, it's hard to see anyone take them down. I I don't think there's any person in either of those weight divisions that I can see this is the person who will beat them. So they're here to stay. Overall, brilliant. And, yeah. Uh, Nathan isn't here, so there may not be... A recipient of the Mackenzie Dern Awards. But for me, and I think for every single human being alive, the scariest person 
to be locked up in a cage against is Francis Ngannou. And he is now the champion. On a more human note, what a moment for him. Considering what he's been through in his life, nobody deserves it more. Just amazing what he's been able to achieve. And nothing but respect to him. His, his approach to not only the, the game of fighting, but to life, when you hear him talk about it, is truly refreshing. And yeah, there so many interesting fights coming up. I mean, in, in the next few days, we will see Marvin Vittori take on Big Mouth Kevin Holland after Darren Till had to drop out due to a broken collarbone. And yeah, lots more coming. Hopefully by the next time, Nathan will be with us, uh, who will give us his incredibly casual takes. And yes, we'll be back soon. Thank you all for tuning in. If you want to check us out on Twitter, it's the TC9Podcast. We're also on Instagram with the same handle. You can check us out on any podcast service, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And you can check our website out, theconventionalline.com, for articles and more about football, basketball, UFC, movies, whatever, what have you. Uh, thank you all for tuning in and we'll be back soon. Bye.